0: Jeff, surprise, I'm here. You're not doing a solo episode. Uh, I'm so glad that everybody can just hear your voice one more week. It's been a rough week. You're going through some stuff. Your family had a, a COVID loss. It sucks. It did. It does suck. Sorry to hear that. Uh, if anybody wants to contribute, you guys are still, I mean, you all have to tell everybody where it's your Venmo and everything, but you guys are trying to cover the costs of the funeral for your aunt, your wife's aunt, who now has how many kids and is on her own? Um, she so they have nine kids total. Three have graduated from high school. And so there's six left at home, ranging from three to fifteen or fourteen. Um, so she's got a, a tough road ahead of her. Um, we actually we do have enough indeed every time. I mean, I'm just blown away by the generosity of BYU fans only mm-hmm. like anytime you put stuff out there. So I, uh, there's someone who's a, a guy I've met a couple times. He's a listener of the show. Um, after the cease and desist thing, he's actually married to, uh, he, he's a widower got remarried and, uh, his wife is new wife is a, uh, she was a Utah fan, but she has, she converted last season. And after our episode about the cease and desist, he sent me a message and, was like is there any way i can get one of those zach wilson shirts and and i was like okay like i'll send you one and he's like uh i was like well i was like he's like oh i will need to pay you for it and i was like no like don't i was like don't worry about it like I, I can't sell it to you so but i'll just make it for you and i'll send it to you but uh he sent me a very 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 generous donation and i was shocked You know. And then something happened is Venmo glitched and it sent like 20 minutes later, sent another donation of the oh, same no. amount. And I yeah. was like, oh, so I shot him a message. was like, hey, like I, I'm, you know, extremely grateful that you did this. Like, did you mean to send this twice? And he's like, oh, no, I didn't. But if they can use it, you can go ahead and keep it. Uh, and I was, so cool. like, and I like, I felt bad. And I like, and I said, I was like, no, I was like, that's, you know, too much to do. But and I just, I'm obviously, I'm not going to say, the amount, but if he's listening, he'll know who he is. And it's just, I'm floored. And that was, and I know some other people who've met this guy and just the biggest heart and the most like Mm -hmm. extremely, extremely generous things from people who've never met them. Like, I know there have been multiple listeners sent me money. Some, you know, were like students who sent me 10 bucks and like, Hey, this is all I can have. And others who are doctors who sent me North of, you know, over like there are a couple of donations that were like three, four $500, just completely people they don't know. And is I am every time, I don't know, I think the one thing about someone passing is like people come out of the woodwork, right. Of like, everyone is there to help. And so many people want, like, are there and ready and willing right. to help. And it's awesome. But I think I've realized is people are always ready and willing to help like that. It's just, they never. Like they don't really have a trigger to do it. Like you see someone pass away and you know, like, oh, like they've got a hard road. Like they need, they need help. Like I'm going to do it. But it's like, if you just ask people for help, like people, there are, most people will drop everything to help you because most people are good. And I don't know. And maybe that is just the benefit of being a BYU fan of mm-hmm. we have good people in our fan base and maybe yeah. other schools don't have that luxury, but if you're listening to this podcast and you need help with anything. You come on our Discord, you go on Twitter, you ask, Cougar Nation will help you. It's true, all the time. I had, uh, when, when that coworker of mine, when her daughter was killed, this isn't even for a BYU fan, but it was BYU fans who contributed. Uh, we raised, we ended up raising in total, like, I can't remember, 30000 it was $30,000, $40,000 for this, this family, which was amazing. There was one BYU fan who is anonymous on Twitter and who... He's, he's been in a fair amount of arguments on Twitter. I've seen lots of uh, BYU fans hate on this guy. And I get it because anonymously, the guy's kind of, he's out there. But he reached out to me. I didn't even know him. I still, to this day, don't know his real name. All I know is his profession. And he sent a total of 2500 bucks for this family that he had never met. And he said, hey, by the way, if they need more, The number doesn't matter. So just let me know. It was the coolest thing. And I was like, dude, like, this is amazing. Why are you doing this? And he said, oh, my daughter served a mission there a long time ago in that area. And this person, the tragedy happened in this area. That was his only connection. And then he followed me on Twitter and he was willing to just basically write a blank check. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, And so, Anyway, BYU fans, if you need help, BYU fans are always there to help. It's one of the coolest things about BYU. It is, and that is – we'll take those sad things and end on that high note, and let's jump into our recap because uh, because of the family situation. We didn't have our post-game fireside on Sunday, uh, the ASU game. Uh, there's a lot of positives to take away. There are some question marks about this team, right? Mm-hmm. Like they kind of been through what may be a gauntlet through three weeks of the season. But at the same time, those three teams collectively have one FBS win. Yeah. Right? Like ASU has beat FC SUU and UNLV Utah has beat Weber state and lost to BYU and San Diego state and Arizona just lost to NAU on Saturday. And is the only team in the country that does not have a rushing touchdown. And according to ESPN's FPI has a 30% chance of going on 12 this season. Like, so we don't obviously, well, Arizona has a lot of issues, but I mean, Utah and Arizona state, even though they are not good teams necessarily, they have good players, right? Yeah, like but it's, if the, Utah, the talent the talent is there. If Utah had been playing Cam rising, then obviously they would have won the national championship. That's true. It's true. And they, well, obviously. It, it, despite what all of your friends say about how they knew he should have been doing it, go back. We can go look on Twitter from after Charlie Brewer went 15 for 15 in the spring game. the the receipts are there i mean we we could we We don't even we don't even have to go that far back i i remember hearing about how perfectly he played against weber state and his 230 yards only felt like 230 because that's what he needed to do but he could have gone for like seven so yeah i mean cam rising would have been if i mean i utah might be they might go 10 and 2 now uh i did see some of their fans predicting that they were going to go eight and four and they're going to win the south so i did see that i saw 10 and 2 i saw people predicting that and it kind of made me think you know what maybe they could all they had to do was get to the pac-12 schedule to start racking up wins which makes sense i mean if what it's tough when you know you have like you know you play a p4 byu Mm you got that you know you have a, a the top end of the mountain West in San Diego state. And then now you get into this G six schedule. Yeah. And maybe, you know, things lighten up, gets a little bit easier. The holes start getting a little bit bigger The coverage start gets getting a little bit looser. Like, yeah, I mean, mean, the the PAC 12 South only won one game on Saturday and that was a conference game. I, I have to, I have to give a shout out to Joe wheat. He had one of the best tweets that I think I've ever seen. Uh, somebody was saying something like, well, Utah plays tougher teams than BYU does. And they were like trying to like, you know, really, really downgrade what BYU has done so far. And Joe, you know, Joe, I I can't do Joe's Twitter, like his life of trolling Utah fans. Like that's just not for me, but I enjoy it when I see it, you know, like I don't always enjoy it, but there are times that I enjoy it. And he said to this guy, you know, just like on the spot, quick reply was like, that's a fair point. I'll give you that. Utah has to play BYU and BYU had to play Utah. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you're right. Utah's schedule is tougher. You played us. We played you. Good call. I thought it was glorious. One of the better tweets that I've seen. He he was on a roll after the last week of much, 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 there's an overflowing of good content from him and what he was trolling. And I don't know how he puts up with it. Um, But I mean, I think obviously we all know the play of the game, right? It was the, and it's probably, it's one of the best plays in BYU history. And I think it might be my favorite. Not so much. I mean, there have been, cool plays, right? Like I, I was in the stadium when Austin Colley had caught the fourth and 18th catch. Like, I remember watching, you know, being in my living room, watching back to Harlan. I, you know, all of, there's tons of different plays. One of my earliest memories is in 96, when Sark hit KO LaLoui to seal the game. Right. And then, and so I, I remember all those things, but I think this, all of those, it's like, you know, a guy made a play or, You know, it was just like someone fell down or whatever. Like it, but this play by Tyler Alger, like it was just pure fanatical effort. Right. Like, and that's there have been great moments in BYU history. There have been great plays without question, but like things like Riley Nelson's touchdown pass to Mitch Matthews uh, to beat Utah State in the last second. Like, that was a great moment, but we've seen catches off of deflections before right jim mcmahon in the holiday bowl clearly an amazing comeback a great moment when that hail mary got caught by clay brown but we've seen hail hail mary's before this play from tyler algier was the greatest play that i have ever seen because i have never seen anything even remotely close to a play like that and i don't know that we're ever going to see it again no. And so and, it may not go down as the best moment, right? Like Beck to Harleen, clearly, game winning touchdown against your rival. That's a crazy great moment. But we're going to see touchdown passes like Beck to Harleen every week in college football. We will not see a play like what Tyler Algier did for the next decade, decade plus. That was that, amazing. I think that's a good way of breaking it down, of looking at the moment versus the play. And I think the thing that I loved most about it, and as I, I was talking to my dad and brother after the game, about it. And, you know, and kind of everything that's was going on was just like how, to me, like that really shows, I think it, it's almost, I don't know, we've talked, you know, we talked about how the weekend, like beating Utah was kind of symbolic of, of like everything, right? Like we got the big 12 invite, the streak is over, like we're ranked, they're not, all this thing, we freaking beat the crap out, warm down so much that their quarterback quit and they oh, lost to San Diego state. Quit. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, but it's this, this play shows to me, like if you had any doubts of whether Kalani Satake should be the guy in Provo running this program, look at that play. Yeah. Compare what Tyler Algier and Jaron Hall were doing chasing down that play oh, yeah. to Jake Heaps fumble 54 to 10 or this pick six of that, or Tanner Mangum, you know, in the Vegas bowl watching three pick sixes in the first quarter. Right. Like there's well, even, even under Kalani, you know, Bo Tanner watching a ball go over oh his gosh, head. Oh gosh. That's the planting laziest his play. I've ever, right. Yeah. yeah. This is, I wrote about this, that that play is I think the ultimate signal that players have bought into his culture because the play itself was phenomenal the players talking about the play afterwards, I think Jared Hall, like they all kind of alluded to it, but Jared Hall said something that was really, I think, poignant in in what this play represented. And he said, Oh, Tyler Algieri. Yeah. He makes the play of the year in college football. That's a guy that he did it. You know, he loves his teammates. He loves this game. That's why he made this play. Did you notice that he just like got up and just kind of walked back to like so nonchalant, like, yeah. Okay. I took care. I like, oh, yeah. I did, I did what I was supposed to do. Like, that's not, he wasn't like, I'm, I did something crazy. It wasn't, I made the play of the year, the play of the decade. It was just like, I did what my team needed to do. And now I'm going to walk back to the huddle and I'm going to do it again. Yeah. Like uh, There were some people that were compared it, you know, real men don't look at the explosions behind them. Like that, uh, lonely Island song from, from like 10 or 12 years ago. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I also, I don't want to, take away from Algier like we're gonna give him the credit of just like yeah he's a stud so he just walked off like a stud I think he was gassed I don't think he could celebrate because the dude was so tired but yeah and I mean and it wasn't just him right because even if it it was everybody else and it was yeah. like if Jaron wasn't right behind him to fall on it I you could have still just fallen on it right oh, there yeah. and it they would have been there whatever watch watch the beginning of that play right like watch immediately following the interception Algier had to shed a block. You don't pay attention to it, but he had to beat a blocker and then get up to speed. But the blocker assumed the play was over. That's a blocker who doesn't love his teammates. That's a blocker who doesn't love the game, right? That well, the guy blocker. behind him, he was running with his hand up. Yeah, like, that, was a a guy, touchdown. that was a guy who, that that that's Herm Edwards culture. And you saw that with the 17, whatever penalties that they had. That's a guy who, oh, looks like it's over. I'm going to take the easy way out. You look at Jaron. Jaron also had to. I don't think he shed a block, but there was a guy who could have blocked him. Well, he and Jaron just ran right past. Him. When blocked, it was Jaron and Tyler bumped into each other going around that guy. Okay, yeah, whatever it was. That there were there were a couple of players that could have blown a couple of ASU players who could have blown that play up and prevented it from happening had they simply done their job after the interception was made, but they didn't. The difference between BYU's culture today and ASU's culture or even BYU's culture three or four years ago is perfectly embodied in that play because that was it. Like that play, most of the time, if Merlin Robertson walks into the end zone and that goes for a pick six, nobody in their right mind is going to say, Tyler Algier should have made that play. Nobody would have thought that. It yeah. could have easily let that go. and just said, yeah, we got to score on the next drive. That's what most football players do. But because of the culture that Kalani has created and because of the way that these players have bought in, they deserve not, a ton of and credit. Not, and not just Kalani, but also we need to give major, major, major props to new Tafisi. Because the last two weeks we've seen in the fourth quarter yep. where we've needed a drive. We haven't necessarily run the ball well. We've needed to uh, start walking with a bigger stick, so to speak, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and chew time off the clock and milk the clock, get some points on the board to seal the game. And the other team has looked gassed, but we have it. And then you look at that play. And so both that is both new to feces and his staff, getting the guys ready in the weight room. And then also your strength and conditioning coordinator is the coach that your players spend the most time with across oh, the board. Question. And so a lot of your team culture comes from the tone that they're setting in the weight room and Whatever news doing is working. Yeah, like all of those people, and I'm looking at you-know-who-you-are, people on Twitter, who were getting ready to fire the strength and conditioning coach because there were some injuries. They've been oddly quiet the last couple of years because turns out it wasn't strength and conditioning that was a problem. It was just football has injuries because the strength and conditioning program's done a really, really good job. Uh, Also, shout-out to Lavelle Edwards Stadium. The Rock was insane. It was that rocking. Environment, that environment was unreal. And those, those what was it, four four false starts on one drive? That was unbelievable. I've never yeah, seen anything like that. It was four, like out, four out of six plays. Yeah, unreal. Uh, that was the kind of environment that in the mid-90s, the crowd gets penalized. The refs throw a flag against the crowd for being too loud. That, used that was to be a thing. A, that was a thing. That was a real thing, and I think it was it got unenforceable, you know, and so they just kind of stopped paying attention to it. And I don't think it was officially like removed from the rule book until like around two thousand. Like oh. it's relatively recent that that was a thing. I remember there was a Thanksgiving day uh, Thanksgiving game in the NFL that it was either the Lions or the Vikings who got penalized for it. Oh my gosh! Is the home crowd made it difficult? Warn the crowd about excessive noise and ask the players on the field to encourage the crowd to tone it down. If repeated, warn the crowd a second time and ask the players to encourage the crowd to tone it down. On a third violation, charge the home team a timeout. A subsequent violation, charge the home team a timeout. If they have no more timeouts, penalize the home team for a delay of game. Oh, that's uh, that's in the NFL. Yeah, there was something. There was something similar. Oh, but yeah. So yeah, I mean, it was a crazy environment, and to force four false starts, that's amazing, and. This week, BYU fans, I know USF is not ASU. I know USF is not U of U. But there's a true freshman quarterback who is going to be starting. Timmy McClain is a true freshman making his first career start. If BYU brings that same type of environment and it's a true freshman making his first career start there, this game's going to get ugly really fast. The, I mean, in Timmy McClain, he wasn't, I mean, he had offers from Colorado State, Boston College, Charlotte. You at UCF? Coastal. Yeah, he could play. Um, uh, he, He's a, I mean, Timmy McClain, that sounds like, that's like an SEC quarterback name, right? Like that's a, when you hear Timmy McClain, it's like, I think like, oh, Timmy McClain is the starting quarterback at Auburn or Vanderbilt. Or like, see, he- I, I, I thought sunbelt myself like it feels like it's the it's the grayson mccall that like oh wow he's really good and could go to the nfl but he's playing it oh like, i'm not Postal. i'm not even thinking about just his playing i'm just thinking of his name right it's like okay okay you, Tim, like bo Nicks and timmy mcclain those yeah, are similar but, names right i get it i get it or john reese plumley whatever happened that, to him that's Did, probably why that's probably why Justin Fields really had to transfer, right? Like, Justin just Fields like, oh, wasn't yeah. a Georgia name. There's no... This doesn't work. Some... Yeah, I get that. I get that. He can play, and he's going to run. Uh, he's going to run a bunch, He and that's what he's known for. And so, uh, the rock, the the environment of Lavelle Stadium, there's a real opportunity to impact the game once again. Before we jump crazy headfirst into USF, is there anything else? that you really want to talk about with asu i mean the defense played well i think we have okay we are back uh we'll see how choppy that is after we edit this that was the first time in close to 100 episodes including post game shows and bonus episodes and whatnot that we have had zoom randomly crash on us yeah weird but whatever i got the audio so we don't have to go back and redo the whole thing um so we were talking about timmy The freshman quarterback, Timmy McClain, will be going into LES. This is, I mean, they played at the Swamp, so he's played in a tough environment before, but body clock's going to be weird, right? But he didn't didn't start that game. He he didn't start that game. He played, he didn't start. He played, but he didn't start. But, you know, the body clock's going to be weird. It's a late Mm -hmm. kick. It's at Mm -hmm. altitude with that thin mountain air where he's, you know, obviously he's down, he's from Florida, and he's playing at a school in Florida where you can, you walk outside and you can taste the air because it's so thick and humid. I did an interview with our guy, Will Turner, who covers USF for 24-7. And what I mentioned that- This game, is the interview where you talked about premarital sex, right? Yeah, that, that got weird. Um, but <laughs> when, when the game got down into, or when I mentioned that it was going to be 60 degrees-ish at about kick, at kickoff, you would have thought that I told him it was going to be like negative 25. Like, the idea of playing football in 60-degree weather was like, are you kidding me? That's miserable. So, yeah, weather, (laughs) like, it's going to be a beautiful October, September day in in Provo. That's going to play a factor. These Florida guys, man, they're not used to 60 degrees at altitude. It's going to be different. Yeah, in that interview I did talk about premarital sex. Look, he asked me a question. He he caught me off guard. First and foremost, will – is one of the the best podcast hosts that I've ever, ever seen. This was his first episode. And for him to just like walk me through a bunch of questions, he kept it fun. That podcast, his, uh, the, the Fletcher and Fowler show is what he calls it. That's going to be fun to listen to all the time. Like he does a great job. He is, and he is a great dude. He actually, he Venmo me money as well. Um, yeah, he's like, a great, he, great he's guy. a great dude. He's very supportive of our he, show. He, he asked he, me- I feel bad for him as a usf fan that they got i mean they were in the big east they thought they had it their yeah. school administration kind of dinked around a little bit and said thought well we already got our big east invite we can just coast on this and now yeah, at know. the week after us ucf gets invited to the big 12 they're like oh well, i think we should announce uh, building an on-campus stadium for our, so we don't have to play in an empty tampa bay Buccaneers stadium yeah they've done some dumb things but that podcast so he asked me a question that I, I think a lot of opposing, like BYU opponents want to ask, but they don't know how to bring it up. And Will just, he did it in a way that wasn't weird or uncomfortable, but he did catch me off guard. He said, look, BYU, it's a Mormon school. That's what people recognize it for. Tell me some misconceptions about Mormonism. And I got caught off guard. And, and so I said, look, one, one of the three things, he asked me for three things. And one of the three that I came up with was that BYU's honor code is not all mormons like not representative of mormons and i was like there are some components of it that that are rooted in like what mormon doctrine is like you know premarital sex that was the example that my brain came up with i could have come up with anything but i came up with premarital sex and then he called me on it in the episode and he said whoa whoa we are br- we are starting out heavy in the first episode of my podcast and so he he did a really good job of making me feel like, yeah, you know, I kind of put my foot in my mouth. And I don't really feel like that very often, but I did hear it was well done by Will. I don't know that he's published that episode yet, but it's coming. Uh, we'll send out a link to on our, our Give Him Hell Brigham Discord server so that people can listen to it when it does go live, because it was there's a lot of fun there. And I just Googled this to see. So um, the USF's campus the two main roads that run through it are Fletcher Avenue and Fowler Avenue. Yeah, which, and so so that, that's name. a good right. I mean, I, you could see like if you're having a BYU podcast, like uh, university can, and university. Your university and can or if you're talking about the stadium specifically, it's like you'd say Canyon and Parkway. Like yeah, that'd be a go. solid name that's for a think. I mean, and so, um, but yeah, it's I'm excited for that, and I. I do like that you did uh, mention our Discord server. We are well over hundred. Let's see how many people we got in here now. I think if we're I... knocking on the door of two hundred. If we really like um, not quite there, but I think we're we getting... are at one forty-five almost. we're, we're getting there. So it's and just... it's it's really fun. Our game threads. It is so much better of an experience than Twitter. Like it really is. And we started this week. We had a couple requests, so we started our USF thread early in the week. And have been people just even posting things like, oh, I saw the some uh, USF reporter mentioned this, or I saw something about BYU this, or, you know, we've talked a little bit about some injuries that have coming up and, in the, not all of our VIP subscribers are in the discord, but that's where, if we do hear nuggets about injuries and things, uh, discord is the safest place to do it. Because if we, if we send it out in an email, it's easy for the email to get spammed and that can get us into trouble. And if you, it, there's so much going on that it's, I mean, you can go hop back and see what's happened for the last day, but it, if you're going to go keep scrolling and go back through like a week and a half of stuff to find some little nugget that got posted, then it's just a little higher barrier to entry, but come yeah. join us. Um, it's, it's really, really fun. I mean, if you're not used to it, it's like Slack or teams or any other chat, you know, texting your kind of group messaging thing. Um, and it, it's a lot of fun. So come, come join us there and let's, I mean, let's, Pivot more now. I guess what else we already talked about Timmy McLean, but USF. It's the thing is going to be a factor, but with there are injuries to talk about. Yeah, there are injuries, and it's gonna be, it's gonna be a big component of this game. Uh, Jaron Hall, um, and I think we probably should have seen this coming. Just like reading between the lines. Now, anybody who's watched the games, even sort of closely has probably noticed that Jaron has reached for his ribs a couple of times since the Utah game that I, that was the first I remember it. And then he takes that fall and he, you know, he falls funny on his side and he leaves the game. Now, Jaron, after the game did a great job of downplaying it. uh, Like you would expect him to do. He's got some Riley Nelson in him of like, look, I'm going to just play until I can't or until you tell me that I'm not allowed to. And so he said, yeah, which is exactly what you want in a quarterback. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I, I got the wind knocked out of me. Those are some big boys." But Kalani's answer to that same question, and I can't remember if it was immediately after the game or on Monday, was, "Well, we got to go and we got to see what the report says. We got to get. You know, I don't have the detailed answers on that to even be able to speculate on his availability." Like it was a big, long, drawn-out answer, right? And if it was very clear to everybody, he got the wind knocked out of him. There's no injury feedback that Kalani has to get, so we probably should have seen it coming that jaron might be downplaying this i would be surprised if jaron plays i would be surprised frankly if any of the guys who were dinged up play that would include nice Mahe. that would include uh isaiah heron that would include tyler batty like all of those guys left the left the game at some point some maybe came back i don't think any of those three did but i I would expect any of those guys who were dinged up at any point to sit this game out and and there's a level of concern there and here's my concern is i hope that they're hurt and that sounds weird right but if if you're gonna rest guys i hope you're resting them because they're hurt and not because you're playing usf right because that is a very different, like the, the result is the same, but that's a different mindset and a different motivator to make a decision. If you're playing, if your guys are just hurt, then it's really easy to just go full bore with the guys you have next man up and away you go. But if you are playing guys who could play and you're saying, well, let's rest you for another week to get you hundred percent, you're 90%. We want you at hundred. That's a different mindset because to the rest of the team, That's saying, we don't need our best guys. We don't need our best 11 in order to win. And that just, that changes people's thought process. So it's weird to say, but if those guys are going to sit, I hope it's because they're hurt, not because they're, I hope it's because they're injured, not because they're hurt. Yeah. And I don't know what they, I I agree with you on that. And it's, it's something where, I mean, the line is at 23 and a half right now. And I will be shocked if BYU covers, unless there are. I mean, if Timmy McLean goes out and throws two pick sixes and spots us fourteen points, right? Then that can happen. But I think just because there are a number of guys like that that will be out, we'll get a comfortable lead and just play, chew the clock. I would like to see. I'd like to see the passing game get in more of a rhythm. But if Jaron Hall's out, then that doesn't really matter as much, right? Like you. Yeah. Well, and, and so then, and USF is one of the worst rush defenses in the country. Right. So it's also matchup wise it's not like you still you're not going to you the staff is not going to big time them and say, "Oh, we need to get our passing game in a rhythm." So even though they're horrible rush defense and okay at pass defense, we're going to, you know, take the harder road of the two just so we can work on some stuff like you don't play that, that that's not what you do and also i mean our run rushing offense needs to do get some work too like we haven't until the fourth quarter when we've worn teams down we haven't done a good job at consistently for the entirety of a game moving guys and going yeah. in to the next two weeks i mean looking at utah state across their front their d line it's like they're like 235, 255, 270, and 245 or something like, like their front four. Like, it, they're not good at rush defense either. And, and so – BYU's going to have to – I mean, looking ahead to that Utah State game, you brought it up. But Utah State's scoring a lot of points. That's going to be a game that, okay, we don't know yet if BYU can hang 50 in a game. We haven't seen it. I Do they have the juice? I think so, but we don't know yet. It's very unproven. But that's the kind of game that in the past, it's like, okay, how do we, how, how, do you, how do you take away, how do you take away a great offense? You keep them off the field and you rack up first downs and run the ball and control the clock. That could be a game where, okay, Utah State's offense sucks. Let's rely on Tyler Algier, Lopiti Katoa. Let's run for 275 yards this game and let's try to win this one 27 to 10 rather than, hey, we got to keep up and, and hope we outscore them and win 55 to 40. You know what right. I mean? Like there, there's a different mindset there. Um, injuries are going to be a big part of it. It's, uh, that's just what it is. And I'm with you. I, in fact, laid money on USF to cover tonight. Same. Same. Not because I think that BYU is going to lose and not because I think that BYU is going to play poorly, but because that's a lot of points and there's a lot of injuries. And this feels like the kind of game that as long as BYU is up by 14, 17 points, I don't think that those coaches are gonna feel like anything, you know, is pushing them to get it up to 25 or 30 points. As long as BYU wins, and as long as the game never feels like it's out of hand, I think the coaches will play it safe. Kind of like what we saw from Arizona. Like even when Arizona was coming back, that game never felt like BYU was gonna lose. Right. And at the end of the day, they won by eight. Does anybody really care that they won by eight now that they have two more wins under their belt? Nobody remembers nope. that they didn't play great. So I, I think you could see something like that here. Yeah, it does with Boise state. I mean, it matchup wise with these two games having, I cause I think we will need to throw the ball well against Boise. And so there is, I do have a little bit of a hesitancy, you know, going into that game of like, okay, what is, what are things going to look like in maybe you know, if the offensive line the next two weeks gets into a bit of a rhythm, then, you know, and they're rushing the ball well, then, you know, it may just be similar to that. Right. Like, but it's, I mean, it's last year, right. We threw the ball really well against, well, we opened up with Tyler Algier, but then we still, we threw the ball really, really well and beat him that way. And so it's, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I, I put money on USF to cover just because 23 and a half, I mean, you realize that's four scores. That's right? a lot. Like that. And that's, and it's, that's to cover, you're saying three touchdowns and a field goal. That's, and, and that's really, and, and to put it into a different perspective, like, okay, if, if the defense holds USF to 14 points, that's one hell of a defensive performance, right? Like, right. So what you're saying is you're really confident that BYU without Jaron Hall, without, you know, whoever's going to win 38 play? to 14. Yeah. or that's more. A, that's a lot of points. So I'm with you. That felt like an easy. And I think me. the total was 53 like, and a half. Yeah. Something like, Does that know, sound right? I actually have it pulled up here. Let me look. It is at, yeah, 53 and a half. It's okay. Down to, it opened at 52 and a half and it's up to 53. And okay. A half. So that's an implied score of do, 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 if I can, oops, 15. So, yeah. So that's an implied score of 38 and a half to 15 or 39 to 15. So yeah that 38 to 14 i mean that's kind of what you're saying is could that happen yes could it, could it be 45 to 7 definitely could it also very easily just be like the entire second half we're just milking the clock because we're up by three scores and we don't it turns into empty the bench the way you would like the way they're going to against Idaho State in November also yes yeah The, uh, the, uh, the only thing really going into this game that concerns me is that it's the, it's that mindset is we can talk about resting players and emptying the bench. The team can't right. They can't have that mindset. Whoever is the starters has to go in with the intention of they're going to play 60 minutes and they're going to win this game by a hundred points. We as fans, of course we can talk about it. Uh, as for USF, yeah, they can't stop the run. They're giving up 260-plus yards a game and five-and-a-half yards a pop. And it's not like they've played a crazy tough schedule or anything like that. They they have played Florida, and Florida did run the ball. NC State, I guess, is proving to be a little bit better than what, what people thought, but it's not like NC State is Alabama. And and they've played Florida a and M, I I think is who it was, like not anybody who was crazy good. Uh, and they're still giving up 260 plus yards a game. So there are opportunities here for, for BYU to run the ball. And then on the other side of the ball, there's a reason that they're going to a true freshman quarterback. And it's because their, their offense isn't moving the ball at all. They're averaging just 4.69 yards per play. That's like 123rd in the country right now. It's down there among the worst with like rice. So, this isn't a good football team it's just not and uh-huh. people are going to point to the florida game and be like well hey they went uh and actually i think that game was at tampa i think it was at raymond james i don't think it was in the swamp somehow they worked out a home and home with florida um and they're going to look and say hey it was 42 20 they hung with florida that game was 35-3 to three at half, and then Florida coasted the rest of the way. That and game that, and that's the kind of game where yeah. we could definitely see it. Yep, I, I completely agree. And, hey, 42-20, to 20, that doesn't cover the 24, 23-and-a-half point spread. And, yeah, like, that was a blowout at halftime. So I, I'm not overly concerned about this USF game. I really like this series. I, I, I think that if BYU is staying independent, this is the kind of series that – I would almost hope is on the schedule. Maybe not every year like Boise, but pretty darn close. This is the kind of game, USF's the kind of program that I I would have liked to align with. I think that they offer a lot. Uh, I said it on Will's podcast earlier this week that, yeah, obviously, BYU going to Florida benefits BYU recruiting, but I thought that coming to Utah benefits USF's recruiting. There's a lot of guys who would like to go to Florida that maybe aren't being recruited by BYU or Utah, and they're ending up at UNLV, you know, at some of these Mountain West schools. USF could have had a really appealing recruiting pitch, I think, to a lot of players if they were coming here consistently. So all things considered, I would have liked to see this on the schedule uh, for a while. It is on the schedule two more times after this, after this year. I'm anxious to see what happens to that. I think I they'll get see. pushed back because oh, they're I'm on sure. they're on the schedule for next year, right? I right. think it's the next two years. So next year will stick, and BYU will go back there almost certainly. And then in twenty twenty three, is this one of the games that you keep a home game in Provo against a, an American team? I mean, yeah, it kind of feels you, like you, it, you keep that, or you say, hey, we got to kick you out to you know twenty twenty eight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something right? like that. Um, but yeah, I would I would definitely like to keep it, and it's maybe something, and who knows what could happen. It, you know, if it's really a shame because, it, honestly, it kind of. I mean, maybe this is that was a very bad sentence speaking on my part. <laughs> is I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Does Houston, um, Houston USF was set up right? I mean, at one point in 2007 with Matt Grothy as their quarterback, USF ran up and they were number two in the country it was their fifth season as as an fbs school they were invited to the big east based on the projections of oh well you know tampa is a big market and we need to replace miami who just left to go to the acc so let's bring in another team which even though tampa is central florida apparently it's the university of south florida because at the time it was the southernmost public university in the state that's why it's um but yeah, then, that. that's funny. Um, but they, you know, it, they kind of had it set up, and they won the lottery because that was at a time when people only cared about markets, right? Like it was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, the Tampa market, right? Like mm-hmm. Florida, and but then because they've done really nothing since they, you know, in the last decade. Other than the 2017 UCF USF game, that was one of the best college football games of all time. You should go watch it on YouTube. And there's condensed versions on there. It is incredible, especially like the last four minutes. I think there's there are four or five touchdowns in the last four minutes of the game. Incredible. Um, but the if USF had taken care of business and been respectable, they didn't need to go to a New Year's six game, right? Like they, I mean, like Cincinnati went to a new New Six game for the first time as member of the American last year. Houston went to one in 2015, right? BYU hasn't gone to one. So it's not like they needed to. And, but if USF had taken care of business, does Houston get into the big 12? Or do they say, uh, let's take us like USF. And cause it was kind of, it was always the big three, right? It was BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF. It was those, that was the done deal. And then it was, everyone was like, well, is it Memphis or is it Houston that we're going to take? And if USF was in that picture of who of these last three, Maybe do they take six and say, we'll take all of you? Or do they say, sorry, Houston, sorry, Memphis. We're going to get a travel partner. Like we're adding a travel, BYU's brand is big enough. We need them. We're adding a travel partner for West Virginia and Cincinnati. We're adding a travel partner for UCF and USF. And that's like, so it's paired off and it's, I feel bad for guys like Will, because I feel like their administration let them down. Cause they had the golden ticket and they pissed it away. If I am a USF fan, I am so angry with Willie Taggart. And if you're Willie Taggart, you're so angry that you left USF. Cause it was not that long ago that he had that program to a point that Oregon hired him away because he was coaching. They were doing things really, really well. And then he abandoned ship and then he left after, what, a year at Oregon to go to Florida State and put an A-bomb on the nuclear, or, or, on the, the Florida State program. And now where is he? At? Like, he's at Florida. Florida Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, he's right back to USF, but worse. And if he would have just stayed, he'd, ha- he'd be making more money. And, well, I mean, he wouldn't have more money because he's definitely cashed in on buyouts. But he would have USF going, and USF probably is number four. But mm-hmm. here we are, they're not, and uh, they suck, they just aren't good, I and mean, that's really the, all there is to it. And, like you said, in kind of what you bring up you with know, Ada, I think Kalani is smarter than that. And obviously, Kalani has the tie, and his name has been floated with the USC job, which USC is a dumpster fire. I don't know why any like, I don't know why James Franklin would even entertain that call, unless there's something weird about like. like Bronco looks, and just like, like I, I want to do the rebuild. Like I love yeah. the rebuild. Like I want, yep. like I loved being at Vanderbilt because like, it was a tough job. Like, and maybe if that works then, whatever Collin's not going to go for that. Collin's not going to leave because, and I also think clients smart up that you can look at and say, okay, well you can take your little job there and where they're going to run you out of the building in three years, if things go, or you can stay here for 10 years, three so years I as a was... head coach and another decade as a coordinator or a decade as a head coach. If, if I was USC, I would make a run at Bronco. Like, I don't know how good he fits long-term as the head coach in L.A. He would fix the culture issue.
1: But he then, would, he would then, turn the
0: program around to where it's respectable, and then they could do whatever they wanted. Yep. I've had that um, same conversation. I, I, I look at Kalani, and I tweeted this out. I wrote about it earlier this week. But who, who are the three mentors that Kalani credits to his head coaching ascension it's Lavelle it's Whittingham and it's Gary Anderson if he were to ask one his, of those things it's not like the other if he were to ask his mentors and say hey I just got offered a big money job at USC Lavelle would I mean obviously Lavelle can't today but we know what Lavelle would have done he turned down the NFL he turned down big jobs like he was totally content to be at BYU for 30 years Uh, He could ask Whittingham. We know what Whittingham has done. Whittingham has turned down USC, UCLA, Tennessee, some big time jobs, potentially the NFL for all we know, and has stayed at Utah for going on 25, 30 years. And Gary Anderson left Logan and chased the money, took the big time job. And is there a better poster boy for, hey, money doesn't equal happiness than Gary Anderson? I don't think so. So, if those are the three phone calls, if if Kalani's on the fence and he makes those three phone calls, I, I I don't think Kalani would treat this like Willie Taggart did. I don't think he treats this like Chad Morris did going from SMU to Arkansas. I think that Kalani gets very different advice than just about any other coach in the country would and says, I, I think he is smart enough to say, "You know what i I got a good thing here." I'm loved here. Our program is in the right direction. I'm making enough money today, and there's more money to be made in the future once we go into the Big 12. I think it would be really easy for him to say, you know what, I'm totally content, and to stick it where he's at. I think Luke Fickle's the same way, that he's going to end up saying no to USC and sticking at Cincinnati because he's got a pretty good thing going on over there in, in Ohio. And he's going to the Big Twelve. There's more money to be made. Why would I go to USC? And in USC, and this is something too that I've thought about, and we talked a bit about it on Discord, right? Like it's US. You think BYU is cheap? I think with Kalani's latest extension, my guess is he's probably making somewhere between two and two and a half million dollars with bonuses. That's just that's kind of that's my hunch. That actually puts him in the middle of the road for the Pac twelve. Clay Helton was only making about four and a half million dollars at USC. Yeah. Well, and Kyle Whittingham, around. Kyle Whittingham is making more at Utah than Clay Hilton was at USC and, and, Clay and Hilton, the they cost of living, him three years ago, but they didn't because they didn't want to pay the buyout. Right. And so they, but the money wise, if you're like, why would Whittingham ever leave Utah to go to USC? I know like every, when Clay Hilton, like after SART got fired, like the last couple times the USC job has opened up, people have suggested maybe they'll go after Witt, Right. And it's but like, why would you leave that? right? They, you know, the, all of the stability of what you said, you know, boosters really respect Whittingham be as they should, because he's built a very good and consistent program there. And even though he's a tool, he's a good coach <laughs> and the, um, but it's like, why would you, you, you factor in the cost of living? Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure Kalani lives in Provo. Mm-hmm. He's got like a five minute commute. You're going to USC's campus is not in a good spot. You're going to have to be driving 35, 40 minutes an hour every day. I mean, we're like when Rick Neuheisel was at UCLA, he had a helicopter come pick him up and drop him off on campus because he didn't want to deal with traffic. Okay, like that's what you're t- looking at, right? Like in Southern California, uh, the cost of living overall, like the taxes, like all the things. And as we've talked kind of, of over the last few episodes about like the Pac-12 trending down where it seems like the big 12 has solidified itself and has the better future think of a program like San Jose state. How will they ever, ever, ever compete even in the mountain West because San Jose is like, that's one of the most expensive cities in the country to live in. They have hardly any fan support. Yeah. They're paying their coach like 750 grand, but that's like nothing. Right. I mean, that's nothing even like, I know it, Charlotte is paying Will Will Healy on their conference USA make where the schools only get 200 grand a year in TV money. They're paying him $900,000 a year to live in Charlotte, which is cheap. And the, you know, and so it's, how are these, these PAC 12 salaries adjusted for cost of living? You look at David Shaw is the highest paid coach in the Pac-12. He's making like four point eight. Mario Cristobal is only making like two point seven at Oregon. I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna get a raise after their next, you know, after this season how they've but, done yeah. right. But it's not like they are spending like people talk about BYU being cheap, but relative, it's not like they're spending their way out of the building. And like it's they are the Pac-12 is not in the arms race. I mean, I, I okay, obviously we talked about Willie Taggart, and obviously he had connections with Florida. Like that's a big component but he was willing to walk away from Oregon, the premier school right now in the PAC 12 after just one season and go back into the ACC and go coach Florida state. A rebuilding program at the time. And Cristobal is also a Florida dude. He played, he's from Miami. He played at Miami. He was the head coach at FIU. And And he's, he's maybe the number one guy on the USC wish list and so like it's it kind of just validates your point right that like there's not very many super appealing things i guess about coaching usc uh before we move on i guess here are the odds of the next usc coach just to kind of put things to bed for byu fans uh kalani's not even on the board that's all you need to know yeah he's not even on the board names that are on the board but Kalani is not. Pete Carroll is on the board. Steve Sarkeesian is on the board. Lane Kiffen is on the board and has better odds than Pete Carroll and Steve Sarkeesian. So they've got the joke names that are on the board and Kalani's not there. Other names that are there, Eric Bieniemy, which I think would be a, a pretty good That would hire. be a very good hire if they could get him. Uh, Dave Aranda, Tony Elliott, P.J. Fleck, Cristobal, Matt Campbell. I mean, the the, the names you'd expect. And the two favorites with plus 450 odds right now, James Franklin and Luke Fickle. And USC fans still think that somehow they're getting Urban Meyer, which if they did, great. I mean, that would solidify (laughs) USC as the Pac-12 South champions for the next several years until Urban Meyer commits a bunch of uh, recruiting violations and leaves the program in a tight spot. We were asked on the Discord, this is a question that's shifting gears. I think we've covered USF sufficiently. Yes, we have. Have you ever had a commercial that you've watched and been like, I cannot ever shop there, eat there, participate with that product? Uh, I already felt that way about Applebee's, but the first month of the season, has re- I've recommitted to never going to Applebee's. Um There are some other. Let me tell you uh, the one that made me. I'm sure I've mentioned some before. There have been some more before, but I can't. I just can't think of it off the top of my head right now. Do you remember the 2015 Super Bowl? The nationwide commercial with the little boy where he said, I never could grow up and get married. I never could have my first kiss and get cooties. I never could learn how to ride my bike. I never could do those things because I died. And then it showed a picture of a yes. overflowing tub and said child, like, preventable accidents are the number one killer of child deaths. That commercial took me on such an emotional roller coaster from, like, all the fun things of being a kid to this dead kid to the horrifying images of a tub that was still running and overflowing that I called that next Monday. And I changed my policy from nationwide to farmers immediately without question. Didn't give it a thought. The, I remember that commercial. I never had nationwide, but I, there have been some where I'm just like, it's usually not because the commercial itself was like bad. It's just like, it's so annoying or it gets replayed so much i'm like i can't i'm not doing this anymore um oh actually there is one um there is like a bagel shop here in yuma Mm -hmm. and they've started running a bagel like running a radio commercial that i've heard a thing and the line that like the owner whoever they is on there doing the thing they straight up say is Better ingredients, better bagels. Yuma Bagel Company. <laughs> I'm like, who the hell are you? Are not Papa John's? Like, and so I'm like, the fact that you just straight up verbatim stole a chain pizza thing. Well, and like, it's one thing to steal a chain. Like, I I can respect the hustle. But like the Papa John's, even they got away from that motto because of Papa John being a racist. Right. Like it's I mean, the better they, to be fair. They say better ingredients and better pizza. They say nothing about the quality of the people, <laughs> um, but they yeah, Papa John's like, and so I'm like, that is, you can't just like verbatim that. So I will not, I will not be buying bagels there ever um uh, that's but in other byu news uh we did have smarty streets announced uh, similar to the built bar deal um six thousand dollars for all female athletes uh apparently they also got uh, they all got brand new pairs of jordans um How as cool. well um that were like custom made with like just for them and just for the byu female athletes and so this includes uh, cheerleaders and the cougarettes all scholarship athletes and walk-ons And that's really cool. So this, we talked about the built bar deal and how we're like, well, if you add this up, like this is not necessarily actually a ton because it was a thousand dollars for scholarship athletes and whatever, this is 6,000 across the board. Like this is a $2 million thing, give or take. And I don't know how many years this is going to be, but this is something that and I got on with Ben Cradle yesterday and was talking about this. It's it's a really interesting different approach because with Built Bar, everyone's like, oh, well, I'm going to go order some protein bars. Like I know those, I like those. And it seems like, oh, you're marketing to the fan," But- With Smarty Streets, if you aren't familiar with what they do, it's if you go on to if you've ever been on a website and you've typed in your address and it pops up and it's like, Oh, you typed in this address. Like it looks like this should be your correct address. And it's like, maybe they added like the street I live on has an accent mark on it, you know. And then it's like maybe they did that, or it's like they added the the four digit code to the end of your zip code or whatever, like that's that back-end software to go through and verify your address and fix any typos. So that way you don't have shipping stuff, get messed up, whatever. That's what smarty streets does. And the founder is a BYU guy, huge BYU fan. Um, and, you know, they wanted to do this and obviously they're getting a lot of publicity about it. But I mean, if you are in Utah County a lot of tech companies, pretty much everybody needs some type of address verification, right? Like even in my company, we need address verification. Like your bank, you need to verify addresses that those are real. So you don't open a fraudulent account, right? If you are going to do that and you are also a BYU donor, like if like say Qualtrics, maybe they probably, I'm sure they already have some mapping and integration done. Who do you think Ryan Smith, if Qualtrics needs to leverage some outside mapping service, who do you think he's going to call now? Like, yes, we see it. And it's kind of, you know, but it's, we see his fans and we're like, who the heck is smarty streets, but that would be more than $2 million of revenue for that little company. Right. Like, and there's tons and tons of other companies that do that. And it's, and I even had a couple other people, you know, reply to when I tweet, you know, tweeted about it. Um, and we were the kind of the, we were the first media, media outlet, right. To, to get that scoop. Um, but they, you know, I had multiple people that were like, "Hey, like we're actually getting ready to like doing a demo for like looking for this type of software." We hadn't come across them, but I'm gonna schedule something with them, and if they're close, we're probably gonna go with them. You yeah. know, or it's if it's when you're doing these type of contracts, you know, if you're looking at spending, oh, it's gonna be two hundred thousand dollars a year, or Smarty Streets come in It's like, oh, well, ours is two fifteen or two twenty. Like, well, they're BYU guys. We like them. You know, it's like, we don't get 20, 20 grand on a, on a B2B contract like that. Like that's chump change, right? That's yeah. not a big deal. And so you are, I think it's a very interesting thing. I don't know how many years it will be the way built. Cause I mean, built now it's like their practices say built. it's on BYU TV. I noticed it's the built post game show, built bar post game show on BYU TV. Like they're all in. And so they're like, theirs is a multi-year thing but i don't know how many years smarty streets is and i'm not sure if they're pre revenue or not i'm mean, I mean, they can't they have to be profitable if they're dropping 2 million dollars on I was this but they they've um, got to be profitable but it's i don't know how long term they want to be with this but it seems like the guy is very committed just well, cuz if you notice his twitter account he replied straight to me and i looked at it and it's like it doesn't he's got like 400 followers he's like very behind the scenes right he, he's like he had the linux penguin as his twitter avi And was just like, and he had like 600, you know, followers doesn't have his bio. It just says he like lives in Salt Lake. It doesn't say like CEO of this dude, that is like, he's not like, there's no ego there. They legitimately are just like, Hey, we can do this. Let's do it. So they had donated in the past. Like he's a big donor for, I think the Cougarettes, I think they'd already donated like a quarter million dollars. I think he himself, maybe not even like him personally, not smarty streets. So like. This is uh, something I think that, that, that John Oliver really wanted to do, and it's awesome. Like, it's very, very good. And, and you're right, the B2B marketing, that's the difference, right? Like Built Bar, in order for them to, to maximize their ROI on that Built deal, they've got to sell a ton of candy bars, and they did. Like, I, from all, everything that we've ever heard, they've already maximized their return. They've done great. That's wonderful. And that's something that they can do each and every year Uh, And and that's, you know, it's like why McDonald's still markets because you're in order to stay relevant when you're in that direct to consumer market, you've got to continue to sell, right? Like we get it. B2B marketing, it isn't that, right? Like Smarty Streets doesn't have to have a million people sign up. They have to have 12. You know, they get get 10, 12 companies out of this deal, then they're going to be over the moon happy. And they don't have to have that every single year. And so that's what makes me wonder if this is feasible long-term. Can Smarty Streets afford a $2 million check every single year to BYU women's athletics? I don't know. Maybe they can, and they certainly have the appetite to do it, and that's awesome if they do. But I don't know if this is something that can last long-term. I think it makes sense. I think the business of it makes sense. I think that there is an ROI to be had. I just don't know if this is something that a fintech can, or not a fintech, but a, a tech company can do each and every year. And it may, and it may be, I mean, if they're running, like, I mean, I see how much, you know. I know how much these companies spend on Facebook ads and Google ads and what the marketing budgets are. $2 million is relatively not, A ton of money. And if the CEO says, Hey, we're profitable, that's what I want to do. Yeah. I don't care. And that's like, it could be a networking thing. Like, he can go out, he can be the one selling it because he's like, Hey, I'm invited now to, like, I'm going to be part of the coaches circle. I'm meeting with all the legacy. He's like, It's, you know, the whole like, we're going to get all of, like, this will become the standard for silicon slopes in terms of mapping software. Then, If he can it's totally worth it, it's totally worth it. And those contracts will be going and especially as things start moving. Because the thing with these business contracts is you do you get one person to implement it, and that person leaves and goes to another company, and they say, Have you ever stood up a mapping software like this? And like, Oh, yeah, we use smartest streets. Like, I've done other stuff, but smartest streets is the best and they're cheaper than everybody else, whatever. Like, this is and you have that relationship with your account manager already. You say, Hey, I'm at a new job, we need to stand this up okay, here we go. And so yeah. it, it does start to like kind of work its way out. And, um, and so I think it will be interesting to see what this happens long-term, but I think it is awesome. And it continues to show obviously that BYU. And I think BYU is going about this, the best way possible of like it, the way it's team-wide. I think, I think Miami yeah. and a couple other schools have had like, oh, the football team got this they People got this, but it was like, some of those only scholarship players, some of them, they're not doing walk-ons they're, right, right. I haven't seen a single thing for an entire women's team and obviously i don't check all 350 some odd division one institutions yeah but i this is definitely the first one where it was every single female athlete yeah and super cool it's super cool and it's going to help and not a small amount of money six thousand bucks that's that's awesome Right, Incredible. and so it's not, you know, and so with that, it's, you know, it's going to help recruiting for those, which the women's teams already do very, very well, and most yeah. of them, if not all of them, are top 25. They are going to, you know, be able to say, hey, this is what we do. Like, other schools, you're not getting this. Like I, I appreciate BYU's aggressive nature in doing this. Uh, there is already, like, the government, whether it be the government or the NCAA, like, I just have this – like sinking feeling that they're going to screw this up there's already um, a hearing i don't know that anything is going to come of it immediately but there's a hearing uh in front of some senate committee i can't remember what branch of congress but some congressional hearing of some sorts that it's called fair play something about nil they're already going to talk about this because obviously like there's going to be schools that i would be willing to bet that byu is singled out in this hearing of well look at what byu did for all of their players all of their walk-ons because utah doesn't have any state laws but arkansas does or whatever and i just hope that the government i hope that the ncaa i hope they don't kill this Um, real quick, just a couple of quick recruiting updates. We were asked to cover recruiting a little bit. Hunter Clegg got an offer, rising star out of American Fork defensive end, plays a lot like Tyler Batty. 6'4, 235 pounds. He put out his highlights uh for the first four games this season, and then within a couple of days, Oregon State offered. A week later, USC offered the next day, BYU offered, and Utah has since offered. And he's, he's got a number of schools who are reaching out to him now. He looks like a stud. He, he's going to be one of the fastest risers. Uh, he told me that among the things that he's most intrigued by by BYU is the dating and marriage pool is unmatched. And when you hear that from a player, a 16-year-old, like not even a senior, this is a junior. Like he's 16 years old talking about the dating and marriage pool. He's right it is unmatched. Like everything he said there, if you're an LDS player and that's your goal is absolutely factual, but for him to single that out, man, that's the kind of guy that BYU has to get got to get him. Yeah. Um, Beyond that, I mean, looking at the 2022 class, the class is filling up. Like I don't expect many more guys. There's 15 commits right now. If BYU hits 20, I'd be very surprised. Uh, I think that the remaining spots are going to be mostly reserved for the guys that they've earmarked as must-takes, guys like Cody Hagan, Keontae Scott, uh, Carson that is a guy. He's a linebacker out of Park City that most people have kind of uh, assumed that Tabo would go somewhere else. He's not a member of the church. He's got offers from everybody from USC to Notre Dame. Like, he's big time. He came to a game, I think he was at the BYU-Utah game, and he loved it. And then he came again for BYU ASU, from what I hear, and he loved it again. Uh, BYU, he's talking to BYU a lot more. Like if he were to commit, yeah, BYU's going to find room somehow. But I think that's where this class is at. I don't think that they're going to just add bodies to add bodies at this point. I think they've got their foundation that they feel good about. Uh, they still need to probably fill out the quarterback spot though. Cade Finnegan's transfer makes that a little bit less important. But if Trayson Bourget is going to come and, re- and and commit, I think BYU would still take that commitment. Uh, other than that, if, if it's not a big-time player, I don't know that BYU is going to take it, with the exception of being maybe a defensive back or two before the end of the class. So that's kind of your your 30-second recruiting update. That's kind of where things stand and, and where things are looking going forward. Yeah, we and uh, with that i think too it's also i mean there's also the bill budget there may be guys where because of built bar some of these guys like uh you know like kaden chidester or um the i cooper ross like, uh, Cooper Co- Ross Yes, cooper yeah. ross. like some of those guys that were more of reaches may get pushed to okay you're going to be preferred walk on and built's going to cover your tuition for a year and Maybe. we are we are your only offer so there's you know you, know i mean if you want to walk that's fine but i mean yeah that right? could be and, and so if there's a lot of signees that you know that may be something that we see um so wrapping up we have our games to watch uh we don't have spreads on all of these we got away from doing the spreads last week and i think someone someone asked more of kind of what are your like just games to watch just as a fan and so i think obviously i mean we could do our picks whatever but we've sucked so bad this year we don't want to hear our we've sucked and also most of our fans like you're not the gambling type and i think too if we are fan fluencers just to say like what's going to be intriguing like what is something that's an off the beaten path game that you may want to watch like you know the Like what's going to happen when MTSU and Charlotte kick off on Friday night? Like, and you're like, Oh, here's this random G5 matchup, but trust us, you're going to want to tune in to at least the first, you know, quarter or so of this one, right? Mm -hmm. Like those, those kind of games. So games to watch this week, number one, wake at Virginia, Uh, Virginia has good quarterback play. They do not have a very good defense, which is very surprising for a thing. Wake forest is also surprisingly good in Sam Hartman, their quarterback is playing good football right now. And if you look at the Massey composite, Wake is the better team by the majority of the computer rankings. So it's gonna be a lot of points in that game. It's going to be a lot of points. And I think I think people saw the amount of points that Virginia were, was putting up and but forgot the other half of the field as well is also a thing. And I think Virginia is going to drop a couple games before they roll into Provo. Um, but that will be a game. And I think that one will be surprising because no one expects it because of Wake. Virginia reminds me a lot of 2014 BYU before Taysom's injury. Um, that remember that 2014 team? They were four and zero rolling into that Utah State game. They couldn't stop anybody, but Taysom and that offense, Jordan Leslie, like that was that year. They were humming, and once Taysom went down, it took four games for uh, Christian Stewart and the offense to get back into to, to winning mode but the defense was dreadful. Like that was the year that, that BYU went up to Boise and gave up like 55 points. Oh gosh. And Bronco had to take over defensive play calling again. This Virginia team is a lot like that BYU team that that offense, they are riding Brennan Armstrong to wins right now. He is playing way better than anybody expected him. As long as he's playing this way, then Virginia's going to be okay. As soon as if he were to get hurt, or if his play were to come back down to earth a little bit, Virginia's defense given up so many points that they would struggle for bowl eligibility. So it's just, you know, rack up as many wins as you can until your quarterback comes back down. Like that's that's kind of the, what seems to be happening in Virginia. The next game, it's really a name game. Like it's going to be a good game. SMU and TCU is going to be a good game. But the cast iron skillet the battle for the cast iron skillet, you know some- we've We've got to highlight that. That's an all-time trophy yeah. name right there, and it's and it's uh, and it's good now too because you know SMU is actually a good program. Sonny Dykes has a really good thing going there, and they you know he's been recruiting really really well, um, and I think you know SMU is honestly a program that I could see because they're very similar to TCU, right? Like it's they are private religious schools in there, uh, you know, it's, they have, you know, they've very similar in terms of their student body types. Like it's a very good rivalry. The campuses are not that far apart. Um, and it's TCU has owned this rivalry, you know, since, uh, Basically, since SMU got the death penalty. Since the death penalty. So yeah. since the death penalty, what so 86 was their last year? They're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They've beaten them seven times. And TCU has won. It's like it's like twenty-five to seven since the uh in the last thing. And it was the I mean, so currently it's 51 to 41 TCU is in the streak and the uh, longest win streak was SMU beat them 15 straight times from 1972 to 1986. So that's take away those, like it's been very much been flipped against that. And so it's a good matchup. Um, I think it's going to be fun and it will be a good fun test. Tanner Mordecai uh, set the record for most touchdown passes in a three game stretch in NCAA history. Um, The Oklahoma quarterback that transferred to SMU. So it's going to be a fun one um you have notre dame wisconsin at soldier field in in chicago chicago uh this is the jack cone game uh it's a coner get yourself a coner in this game jack cone transfers from wisconsin to notre dame and is now the starting quarterback for the irish these two meet up this is a this is a game that indirectly impacts byu uh notre dame is ranked 12th wisconsin is ranked 18th if wisconsin wins I could see them jumping BYU in the rankings because BYU is going to play USF. Nobody cares. And this will be a nationally televised game against Notre Dame. That, that win's going to matter. Uh, but a fun game to watch. Notre Dame's been fun to watch. They're not quite as good as they've been the last couple of years, but still a very, very good football team. And Wisconsin is what Wisconsin always is. Uh, so a game to watch. And it will be on national TV on Fox. Uh, the next game you've got here is Clemson at NC state. And uh, this is an upset alert. This could be the fall of Clemson. It is their offense is bad. Like I do oh. not know what happened to DJ Uyongale, but they it's bad. Are, are bad. Like it's uh let's see, NC state. I mean, Clemson is the line opened at 12 Clemson by 12, moved to Clemson by 10. It's on the road. Uh, you know, in Raleigh and the computer, like the prediction tracker here shows that the average computer model has only has it as Clemson winning by seven. So it's looks like, you know, they most computers are picking the uh, Wolfpack to up, you know, to at least cover. And I think this, I would not be surprised if Clemson gets knocked off because they beat by Georgia tech where they didn't score a touchdown in that game, you know, they lost 10 to three and the game winning score was a pick six they um <laughs> they almost lot, like they struggled i mean obviously they beat south carolina state who in an fcs game and then they only beat georgia tech 14 to 8 so and they've dropped now to number 9 so it's they've got a they need to have a come to jesus moment with dabo because oh, they man. their offensive line looks horrible and dj is running for his life the acc is so bad Yet the Pac-12 was worst, but yes, <laughs> because I'm just looking at Clemson's schedule and they're not good. They have they're not good, right? You're right, they, they lost to Georgia, they put up three points. Georgia's great, then they play Georgia Tech and they only put up 14 points. So they have scored a grand total of 17 points against FBS schools, and yet looking at their schedule nc state is probably the only game that could give them a run maybe wake at the end of the year nc state boston college syracuse pitt a crappy florida state team louisville yukon wake and south carolina this is the year that the gamecocks are going to get the, the going to get past the tigers i'm afraid i think so it's anyway That's not this week, but Clemson's not good. NC State, though, they did lose to uh, Mike Leach and Mississippi State. And so you don't know what you're going to get out of the Wolfpack. They put up 45 against USF, and then the next week, they only put up 10 against Mississippi State. They're a little hot and cold. Yeah, it's – there is – they are hot and cold, and it is iffy with them, right? Like, it is – it's iffy, and you don't – no, what you're getting, but you I think with Clemson, you can't expect teams to put their best foot forward. Yeah. Right. And we've seen before, right? Because Pitt beat them that one year. They went up and they lost in the carrier dome to Syracuse. Um, you know, last time they played up there a couple of years ago. So it's they still have some issues uh right now. SP Plus is I mean, they've got you know, NC State, Pitt, and uh Louisville are, you know, those are so it's little, toughest- Louisville. Louisville. Well yeah, you put way too many syllables. I'm sorry. My, my sister is moving there, but hasn't moved there yet, so I don't have to really figure that out. Um, but in that UConn game, they will definitely win because UConn is on track to be the <laughs> to be the worst team in the history of college football. That there, is. There's a, a, there's a chance that UConn isn't even playing football by the time that game rolls around. That is also not true. And lastly, uh BYU's next two opponents are playing. You can get a preview. Of this because Boise State is kicking off in Logan against Aggies at 10 a.m. Mountain. On that's right. Before you have before you have finished your morning Mountain Dew. Boise State Utah State are going to have a game. What is the driver behind that? It's on CBS Sports, and I can't imagine that that CBS Sports has a more appealing game than. A three and oh Utah State team against Boise State. So, why it's on earth one and two Boise State? Um, well, true, but still, Boise. Why on earth would they slot this game at 10 a.m. Mountain? I don't know. Oh, that's actually that game. It's not on CBS. That's not on CBS sports. That's on, uh, that's on mainline CBS. Whoa. Okay. Well, that so makes more sense. they are competing with, uh, you know, they want the, uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin is on Fox and that's going to be <laughs> offset by Boise state, and Utah state. <laughs> on CBS. And on ES what the ABC has a uh, Texas oh, tech in Texas. Okay. Those are, so those are our network games. that that makes more sense all right so this was the oh crap we're gonna get killed by notre dame wisconsin so what crappy game can we put on main cbs that the teams will be thrilled to do it right well and the mountain west has part of their new deal is that they right have to have a certain number of games on main cbs and that was their oh, yeah, we get to go on CBS, and truly it's like, well, they lost the SEC, and no one else wanted to go on CBS, so there you go. Um, that's funny. So, yeah, that's uh, – that I mean, is it'll be worth watching. I- I'm anxious to see if Utah State – like, they've looked fun, right? They have played fun football. I-, I-, I hate the Aggies. I really do. And so it's hard for me to watch the Aggies even when it is fun. But if I squint and make it a little bit fuzzy so that I don't recognize that it's the Aggies, they've been playing fun football this year. This should be a fun game. It, it should be, and it's um, – I don't know. Let me see what – Now I think they could pull off the upset. I'm not sold on what Boise State has going on right now. And they d- d- do – what A lot of funny game. I, at 10 a.m. This has to be the first time Utah State has played – a home game on big CBS on any network TV for that matter. Oh, yeah. I got to think this is the first Definitely. time. Um, so, yeah. So that opened as a Boise state by 12 and it's dropped all the way to nine. And so it's Utah State just hasn't played anybody yet. Really? We they? really don't know. Well, they played Washington state, which seemed like a big deal. And then we found out that they suck. So they're bad, bad. Yeah, they're bad, bad. They struggled with North Dakota. Yeah, and then um, and then Air Force last week they wanted it, a shootout. Yeah, yep. So and they cannot stop the rushing ball at all. So it's interesting. It'll, I could that game. It if will they be get past, now. if they get past this game, they they miss Air, uh, San Diego State this year. If they get past Boise, I they got to be in the driver's seat for a PA, uh, Pac-12, a Mountain West whatever division they're in title this year Yep, they'll have to get their Wyoming um and that's in Logan yeah they gotta get let's see going to Laramie I just assume if you play in Laramie in November you lose even if you win you lose um this is true so let's see yeah they gotta go uh UNLV on the road call it they have Colorado State at home they have Hawaii at home and then they got to travel to San Jose State. That'll be a tough game. but That's a weird thing to say. And then, <laughs> and then they close out. They got Wyoming and then New Mexico. They should take care of business. So it's you know they could be in the driver's seat because they miss San Diego State and they miss Fresno. So yeah. that is they should if they take care of business against Boise, they should be yeah in the driver's seat for this. Um, I saw something really weird that uh okay so hawaii on september 25th this week hawaii is playing at new mexico state in las cruces on october 23rd new mexico state is playing at hawaii because they i guess of covid cancellations and something with deals like they Hawaii didn't ha- have enough games and obviously New Mexico state is for some reason, like UConn trying to pretend they can make it as an, and UMass make it as an independent school. Um, so they are playing a home and home for this apart. year. <laughs> yep. How funny. So Jeff, it's been a good episode. Uh, come join us on our discord. If you have it, just go to the homepage, give them help program.com click that discord button and get yourself signed up. It's a party. Uh, what else do you have to share with our listeners for parting words? Uh, nice we- news. Weber State tweeted out tonight a uh, picture of a moose in their pond that is up on campus. And shout out to Dylan Coons uh, for saying it's Isaac Rex, but with running ability like a deer. Because it's a moose, but if he ran like a deer, if that moose ran like a deer, then it would be the elk. Uh, and shout out to Jerem Jordan for, for giving us a shout out on uh, the, the film room yesterday. Yeah, that was not us. That was you. Well, I mean, it was you know, and it was we are, we are one. It, it was your baby that we you are one. That. Listen, I'm writing your coattails. I was telling my wife this just tonight. I was the one who Venmoed Isaac the money. So I have <laughs> I, a, I got I, I a phone to pick with him. I was telling my wife just tonight that Garrett went to school, you know, got a, you have an MBA, right? You went and got yes. your MBA and you know i didn't i didn't get my mba i i i just am in my career and i told my wife this that the one thing that that garrett is much smarter than me and he's probably going to be much more successful than me in life but the one thing that college didn't teach you garrett is that people like me are going to latch on and ride your coattails wherever you go i'm there with you now and so I appreciate you getting your MBA for us, and I appreciate Jerem Jordan giving me a shout-out for us. Yeah, thank you. It is a wonderful, awkward, misfit marriage that we have here on the show. <laughs> and with that, Jeff, let's give him hell of a I'm assuming. I'm assuming – what's on the menu for Saturday at your house? Uh, it was empanadas this week. That felt like a, a USF food. We'll see if I actually go follow through with that, but that is what's on the menu. Even – even though they are in Central Florida, because they are the name named University of South Florida, I'm going. I'm going with the Cubano this week, because you can never go wrong. With you that. should do. Do you remember what I did in
1: 2019?
0: You I did, uh, and I could send the recipe out. I took a pork loin, like you would a Cuban, okay. right? But I did the whole loin, and then I made a Cuban with the loin. So forget the bread for a minute. But I like. I don't know what the word is, but like filleted out almost right? so that I could roll it up. I, I smoked it with pickles. I had the mustard. I had the ham. I had all the elements of a Cuban, right? And rolled it up like a fatty almost and then smoked it like that and then just sliced it. It was delicious. Mm. Ah, that sounds good. I'll have to see. That may just be too much work for me. It's just lot. like marinating the line and chucking it on. It um, is a lot. So Jeff, whatever, give those empanadas hell and I hope you have a good rest of the week. And again, come join us on the Discord if you have not yet. And Jeff, I hope you have a good one. Give them hell. Give them hell.